0: sent off your first three months. Now here's your host of the Fight Podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, yo, yo. What up? Welcome to the Fight Podcast, your weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I'm Sergio Vicente, and we have a great show for you today. Uh, Today, we have some fight news where we go ahead and break down all the pressing fight news of the week. And we also break down this weekend's huge, seems like every weekend's huge, but this weekend's huge, UFC 230 at Madison Square Garden, New York City, headlined by Daniel Cormier against Derrick Lewis for the UFC's Heavyweight Championship. But before we get into all that, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the FIGHT Podcast on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking me out on the website, TheFightPodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. The podcast lives on iTunes and SoundCloud. And don't forget to purchase merch. All right. So, I hope you guys had an opportunity to check out episode 47. Episode 47, I had the great opportunity to speak with Rosando Sanchez. He is the head boxing coach of Daniel Cormier and over at A.K.A. American Kickboxing Academy, um, who have the likes of khabib luke rockhold and many other former champions have, and they've worked with him so if you had an opportunity check out that interview it was a really really good time especially because he is preparing currently for this weekend's headliner daniel cormier versus uh, Derek lewis so he's preparing dc for that event and it should be pretty dope We've had, well, first and foremost, welcome to the Fight Podcast, man. Where are my manners? Uh, <laughs> um, today is a beautiful Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry, Thursday. Where it's a beautiful Thursday here in Chicago. Um, it feels like fall, man. It feels like Halloween. Everybody was just out. It was cold. It's rainy. People were wearing all kinds of costumes and stuff throughout the city. It was a good time. Um... And this card is just as scary, especially with all of the changes, everything that's gone in and out, um, all the cancellations, everything. And it seems like all of the crazy fight news that we've literally had over the last month and a half took it all up because, man, this week. It's bone dry. I have a couple things written down, man. But more than anything else, the most important news of the week, and yeah, we have a couple different things. You have Ben Askren, and you know Ben Askren, as well as you know uh, Mighty Mouse Johnson, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. They've gone ahead and flipped ones on uh, one FC. Ben Askren is here at the UFC. And um, people seem to be excited about it. I think a lot of people don't know what to expect, um, especially from Ben Askren. When you look at him, this dude is dad bodied up, curly hair, um, doesn't look like a tough guy. But he's incredible on the mic and he's already showing how he's making a bunch of noise on Twitter, he's called out pretty much everybody within a week's time in the welterweight division. He's calling people who I think are dope fighters. For instance, Jorge Masvidal, he's calling him a bum, tweeting him, "Hey, you, you know, you said you'd fight anybody, It's crickets now." He's calling out Darren Till. He's called out a number of guys in the welterweight division. So. And this is what I'm going to do today. Instead of go ahead and jumping on fight news, we're going to go ahead and break down some, and I'm really going to go in depth a little bit in some of these stories. Um, I'm going to say who and what I believe these guys are going to go ahead and essentially fight next. And what should be next for some of these guys? Um, Starting with Ben Askren, who should he fight next? There's so many guys. You look at this welterweight division. He's definitely not. And not alone, a lot of people are saying, oh, he should get a title shot. If he's that dope, give him a title shot first. Well, no, man. He's not going to go ahead and fight Tyron Woodley. Not only is Tyron Woodley a current teammate, He was also a teammate all the way back in college, man. So these dudes who both are in their mid-30s have known each other since they were 18. Almost half of their life, they've known and competed with each other. So they're definitely not going to fight. I think this is one of the reasons, not this one instance in particular, but it shows how much talent is in between that 165 to 155 pound weight class. And what I honestly think is going to happen if Ben Askren doesn't go ahead. And honestly, I think he should fight Darren Till. If Darren Till isn't already matched up and going to to, to middleweight, he should definitely. I think that would be a great fight and a great test for Ben Askren. Darren Till is somebody with a name, somebody who just fought for a title and somebody who can sell a pay-per-view. That's why the UFC is so high on him. The UFC is super high on this dude strictly because he can sell a fight and he has a fan-friendly style. So the trash talk between the two and honestly, they're already chirping back and forth in social media. They're talking to each other. They're calling each other out. I already think that they're for an intro fight to the public, to the American public, to the UFC fans across the world. That is how you introduce Ben Askren to the UFC. Um, Anybody else? Jorge Masvidal will be fun. He doesn't sell fights the same way as Darren Till does. Damian Maya, mm, boring fight. We've already seen that. We've already kind of seen Ben Askren's style is exactly what beats Damian Maya, an aggressive wrestler who doesn't allow Damian Maya to take him down. A la Tyron Woodley, Kobe Covington, Kamara Usman. There's a reason Buddy has three losses in a row. So that's out of the question. Everybody else is pretty much matched up. So think about it in that sense. I think the best possible matchup at this present moment in time has to be Darren Till. If not open up 165 pound weight class, let him go out there and actually compete for that title. That would be pretty dope. Um, On the other side of that mix is Demetrius Johnson. And a lot of people are asking at 125 pounds, who should he fight? Bibiano Fernandez comes to mind. They're not going to give him Bibiano. That's enough. That's his coach. And I don't care what anybody says. You're not going to get a fighter versus a coach. But there's a plethora of dudes out there that the American market does not know. So no matter what. You can go ahead and actually put Demetrius Johnson against anybody. And that's going to sell, especially for one FC, because they have the unique opportunity to say we have the greatest fighter in the world has left the biggest organization in the world. And now he's here. So obviously you give him a title shot right off the bat. He's going to go ahead and win that chip, and then he's going to start another incredible streak. At one, I think this deal, all in all, a weekend, we've had a time to think about it for both parties, right? For the UFC faithful and for one FC and what they have, should I say one championship and what they have going on? What do I believe is the best? Who got the best deal? I think it was a win-win for both. It seems like this entire deal was actually Mighty Mouse's idea. Which says a lot. They said Bibiano Fernandez gave him the idea for it and told him how great he's being treated there and how he loves the Asian market and all those other things. And honestly, if you guys don't know who Bibiano Fernandez is, check him out. One of the nastiest jujitsu practitioners in MMA that you will ever see. He's out there wrecking shop for one championship. So. Him going over there and again, that's how that entire deal came to play and came to fruition. Yo. On another topic, Melky Kawa, owner of first round management. represents Demetrius Johnson, represents Yo- Yoel Romero, represents John Jones, represents so many stars in MMA and in combat sports. I think he also represents football players. I have to say this dude does his due diligence and he makes sure his guys get paid. And he gets him out of trouble. Look, I have no idea what John Jones did. John Jones... Could he have been out there and actually taken the Mexican supplements? 100%. Could he have done it, but could he not have done it? Whatever he didn't do or did do, Melky got him a great deal. He is back fighting soon. Melky did that. Yo, Romero, it was proven right away. Tainted supplements. His name is cleared. And then Melky does his job and actually goes out there, goes online, goes on TV, and fights for his guys. So I have to get, I just want to give a salute to Melky, man. It seems like he really loves his clients. And um, so big up to that guy. <laughs> um, I just want to go ahead and honestly, like I said, it's a pretty slow week, man. And it seems like not just in, well, politically, Aside from politics, it seems like everything else, it is a slow week in pop culture. Um, It was funny. I was just listening to the Joe Budden podcast and it seems like they're just talking about the same thing. They're like, man, there's like no news going on. And it just seems like, man, look, that's the ebbs and flows of it. Some weeks is cracking. Other weekends is not. So we'll see. But this weekend is not, you know, in terms of fight news, but the fights themselves are pretty ridiculous, man. Yo, really quick, one fight news note that I just got in. I saw Derek Lewis. And this comes from Luke Thomas's official Instagram page, or should I say Twitter page? Luke Thomas, one of the best journalists in MMA today, hands down. Um, my and my choice, it's him and like area hawani. That's 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 like the the upper echelon of dudes. But Derek Lewis officially signed a Popeyes deal. So, he has a deal now with Popeyes. And Daniel Cormier also seems like now he has a deal with Carl's Jr. So, the heavyweight Chunky Boys all have (laughs) deals with fast food places that they love. I thought that was hilarious. uh, And that seems like they just dropped a minute ago. So I just wanted to talk about that. But without anything else, without further ado, let's go ahead and break down UFC 230. This card, this card, I've been waiting for it. There's been so much drama though. Ins and outs, things have been going crazy Fight cancellations, changes, main events going in, main events getting taken out. Originally, nobody knew who the main event of this card was supposed to be. Who was supposed to headline Madison Square Garden in New York City? Who was supposed to do it? We didn't know. The UFC didn't know. And everyone believes. Speculation says they're holding out hope for John Jones. And they wanted John Jones and Alexander Gustafson to go ahead and headline that event. That would have been the reason for John Jones getting off of his suspension as early as he did. But that didn't happen. That didn't come to fruition. And then a whole bunch of other stuff happened. They had. Um, They were going to headline the card with Valentina Shevchenko against Ioana Jacek, which everybody was excited for, for the um, 125-pound title for the the inaugural, or not the inaugural, but the women's flyweight title. That would have been great. But unfortunately, that fight didn't happen either. So they did Valentina versus Nico Montagna. People weren't happy about that. So that ended up falling out. They ended up finally go ahead and putting Daniel Cormier and DC in. We were all excited. But then next thing you know. Dustin Poirier drops out of his fight with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz says he's not fighting anybody. So that fights off the card. Luke Rockholes, who's supposed to have a rematch with Chris Weidman. He ends up getting injured. That fights off the card. Chris Weidman luckily stays on the card. He's going to go ahead and fight um, Jacare Souza, which should be an incredible fight. We'll talk about that in a moment. All kinds of stuff has happened, but the card is finally here. And to be honest, man, it's still a great card. Um, I'm still really excited. And it feels like. A welterweight tournament, it really does. It feels like, or should I say, a middleweight tournament. This card, aside from the headliners, it's essentially all all big boys. Everybody who can you know, pretty much knock people out. So, um, what I wanted to go ahead and do is let's let's take a time and just break down the entire card. Let me see what's on the uh, fight pass prelims. Anybody worth talking about? um there's some great guys Sharon burgos is great let's see all right so check this out we're starting off with the uh fs1's prelims sajar eubanks is gonna go ahead and fight roxanne modifairi should be a good fight we have a 22 and 15 modifairi against the four and two sajar eubanks um this fight should be entertaining. I don't know much about the women. I know Roxane Matafari was the number one pick in the matchup against, um, or should I say she was the number one pick in the Ultimate Fighter when she was on it against the J.R.U. Banks. I think Roxanne ended up losing to uh, Montayo in, uh, Nico Montayo in the finals. So they are both experienced women and, um, Looking forward to see what's going to happen with that one, to be honest. Um, We're just going to go ahead and jump to the main card. And I really want to take time and talk about this a little bit. Leading off the main card, one of my favorite fighters currently competing. I've been watching this dude since before he was competing in MMA, when he was kickboxing entirely. Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. He's ranked number nine middleweight in the world. He is fourteen and O professional record. He is from New Zealand, or should I say, he's from Nigeria? But he is born or should I say, he's raised in New Zealand, in Auckland, I believe. And uh, he is competing against the number six ranked middleweight, Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson is rated eighteen and six. Uh, I'm just gonna bring these dude stats up. Let's see how they go ahead pretty much way out. Two extremely talented guys. Derek Brunson throughout his career is somebody who, I don't want to say he's a journeyman, but he's always somebody who's been extremely tough. He always comes forward and he's extremely well-rounded, solid wrestling base, really, really good power. He's knocked out some of the best Strikers in the middleweight division, he knocked out guys like Uriah Hall, who is widely regarded as one of the best strikers in MMA. So he's competed and he actually hurt and actually took down Yoel Romero, was beating Joel Romero for the first round and a half, almost two rounds before he ended up being finished in the third. Derek Brunson had the middleweight, current middleweight champion in trouble in his fight with him. So, Derek Brunson is, shall I say, the champion, Robert Whitaker. He had Robert Whitaker really, really hurt. So, Derek Brunson is a solid, solid guy. I mean, look, you don't get rated number six for no reason. So he's going out there, and he really does believe that people are disrespecting him in this matchup. He knows he's not favored, so the fact that he's not favored, he's saying he's going to go out here and knock out Israel Adesanya. So just pulling up some of the notable wins: Derek Brunson's beaten Leota Machida, he's beaten Uriah Hall. In my opinion, he beat Anderson Silva. If you had an opportunity to watch that fight, go back and watch it again. Derek Brunson absolutely beat Anderson Silva, who is widely regarded as one of the best strikers ever to compete in MMA. So look, man, Derek Brunson is a beast. He even beat one of my, he beat Lorenz Larkin. He's beaten so many great strikers with constant pressure and amazing power. What do I think is going to happen in this fight against Israel Adesanya? Israel Adesanya is somebody who moves like a snake. Moves in and out with his striking. Extremely patient. Extremely well balanced. He's one of those guys that It's almost beautiful to watch. That's how you feel. Even just like I will say, Conor McGregor, when he's at his best, is beautiful to watch. TJ Dillashaw is beautiful to watch. I'm not even going to pause it. It is. It's just beautiful to watch. (laughs) So being able to go ahead and see these guys really go out here and compete. Is going to be really interesting. It is a Styles matchup. Is it going to be Derek Brunson's aggression and power? Or is it going to be the sniper like skills and patience of the Israel Asanya? I'm going to be honest with you. I see this being a first round finish by Israel Asanya. Derek Brunson, I think, is going to walk into something and one thing about high level strikers, yes, Derek Brunson has beat a lot of high level strikers in MMA. But when it comes to kickboxing proficiency, he can't even come close to Adesanya. I really believe this is going to be an easy fight for Style Bender. So, If he wins this fight, he has already said he deserves a title shot. He's ranked number nine. There's plenty of guys ranked above him. But guess what? He does deserve a title shot. Who else would you give it to? You have Bohachina out there. He's a beast. But he's already tied up. He has an opponent. Or actually he doesn't, but that, honestly, that would be a great matchup, but you don't want to kill off two of your top stars right at the beginning. Let one of them get there, then let the other one be his foil. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen in this fight, but 100%, I have to have, um, I'm picking Stylebender, man. Check this out, accuracy. Stylebender lands 55% of his strikes. Almost five punches per minute. Five significant strikes per minute. His defense, 71%. People are only landing 30% of their shots against him. He has also has 81% takedown D, which is not bad. Derek Brunson, which, man, I did not, actually didn't realize he has 100% takedown defense. Should be, I mean, a really, really good fight, man. All right. Moving on, um, next fight I want to talk about is David Branch versus Jared Cannoneer. This should be good. David Branch is originally slated to go ahead and fight against Jacare Souza after the Luke Rockhold dropping out of the fight. David Branch ended up getting Jared Cannoneer. Jared Cannoneer, the Killer Gorilla. record is fighting against David Branch, the number one seven ranked middleweight in the world, 22-4 record, fighting in his hometown of New York. David Branch is extremely well-rounded. He's a Henzo Gracie black belt. He was the former WSOF light heavyweight and middleweight champion. He's given some of the best fighters in the world fits, man. Dude is incredible. I think that this fight against Jared Cannonier is going to be an extremely entertaining fight. Jared Cannonier is somebody who just walks forward, nasty power, takes a great shot. Had a pretty solid fights with um, I think Tiago Santos. Uh, he's had great fights at light heavyweight. This is somebody who they said used to walk around over three hundred pounds and now is fighting at a buck eighty five. Big, naturally big guy. Big power. Now, what's going to happen in this fight? I've seen Jerry Cantoneer lose because of his lack of technique at times. David Branch is really, really technical. He's a technical striker. We saw that when he actually had Luke Rockhold, who, in my opinion, is one of the best in the world. He had him in trouble in the first round of their match. So if I'm looking at the, the, the guys, you know, back and forth, I'm looking at two of them. Who do I give the striking advantage to? Power advantage, got to give a cannoneer. Striking skill advantage, branch. Grappling advantage, by a long shot, David Branch. I see David Branch getting out of the fire over the first few you know, rounds, round or two. And I see a late stoppage via submission of some sort. Probably a choke, rear naked choke or something. So looking forward to seeing that one. All right. Uh, the co-main event of UFC 230 should be entertaining. Chris Weidman, the All-American, the former middleweight champ. He, if you guys don't know, was the guy who defeated... The great Anderson Silva who stopped that long title run. He's the number three ranked with a record of 14 and three. He is fighting former Strike Force champ, Jacare Ronaldo Souza, the number five ranked middleweight in the world, 25 and six record from him. This fight It's a good one, man. Yes, I wanted to see um, Luke Rockhold fight against uh, Chris Weidman in that rematch. But this also is a really compelling fight. And either of these guys can fight for a title shot soon. It's crazy. This card is stacked with possible title shots. Anybody who wins impressively deserves the shot. If Chris Weidman goes out there and just completely starches Ray. You can make an argument for him. Stylebender goes out there and does what I think he's going to do. You can argue one for him. But if Ray turns around and just completely destroys Chris Weidman in Chris Weidman's hometown, where Chris Weidman lost to Luke Rockhold, and he also lost to Gegard Musasi. So he's not does not have the best track record in his hometown. So is coming in nasty on the ground, but Chris Weidman is an All American wrestler. Both, if I'm looking at who is better on the ground, you almost have to to cancel them out. Now we can look at top pressure, right? And I will say this: after I watched. Luke Rockhold get on top of Chris Weidman and Chris Weidman couldn't get up. It made me I don't want to say concerned, but I questioned his ground defense, his his top offense and his submission game is top notch. He's a Matt Sarah Henzo Gracie black belt. So Chris Weidman on the ground is a monster. But what is Jacare Isusa good at? Jacare is incredible. At getting people down and getting on top. And he has some of the best top par- pressure in the game. So if he happens to get on top of Chris Weidman. I really do believe he could hold him down. So check this out. Jacare has a 41% takedown accuracy. Chris Weidman has a 73% takedown D. On the other side. Chris Weidman has a 51% takedown accuracy. And on the other foot, Jacare has a 58% takedown defense. So, look, these guys are hard to get down. And they're even harder to keep down when they're already down there. So, two great grappling guys. With two great grapplers, I believe this is going to be a stand-up match. With this being a stand-up match, man, I don't know. Something in me just tells me. As much power as Jacare has... I really believe Chris Weidman is back healthy, back into his own. I think he's going to box Jacare's face off and end up getting, whether it be a late stoppage or unanimous uh, decision victory. So I got uh, Chris Weidman in that one. All right. Main event time. And uh, <laughs> this fight is is really entertaining i think it was a win-win for both guys i think it's a win for daniel cormier taking this fight on short notice it proves that he's the goat man it proves that he's the goat it proves that he can go out there he fights anybody anywhere anytime on short notice less than a month he went out here and he is not afraid to fight somebody as dangerous as Derek Lewis. And don't forget, I've talked about this before. Derrick Lewis is nine, is 10-1 in his last 11 fights at heavyweight. And there's only one decision in the mix. One more knockout. Derrick Lewis has the heavyweight record for finishes in the UFC. That's incredible. Think of the heavyweights that have come through the UFC. Boss Rudin. Frank Mir, Cain Velasquez, the list goes on and on. So this guy is—he ha- is he's on the verge of breaking the knockout record. It says a lot, man. So Aleister Overeem, Fabricio Berdum, Mark Hunt, Mark Coleman. Dan Severn, the list goes on and on. So this is a dangerous fight. um look Daniel Cormier record of twenty one and one. Derek Lewis record of twenty one and five. Derek Lewis is number two ranked heavyweight. DC's the champ. Daniel Cormier is stylistically better at every component of this fight. everywhere he's better on the ground. he's better standing. He has better conditioning. The only thing Derek Lewis has over DC is power. I'm going to be honest with you. I think this is an easy fight for Daniel Cormier. I think Daniel Cormier will go out there. I think he will take the center of the cage. I think he will push Derek Lewis's cardio from the beginning. I think he will stay in his face. I think he's going to throw multiple combinations. He will eventually get... D um, Derek Lewis down, probably finished the fight second round, um, submission. I see it being a pretty cut and dry fight. It's going to be a submission or a finish both by Dan Cormier. I really don't see any way that Derek Lewis, aside from a hail Mary, and I don't see DC getting caught with one of those. So I, I I think it is going to be a compelling fight. I think there are going to be moments where we're worried for DC. But at the end of the day, what do I think is going to happen? I absolutely believe that Daniel Cormier will cruise to an easy victory. And then he will go ahead and pretty much get to pick what he wants to do for the rest of his career. I really do, man. I think he's going to be able to do that. All right so that is what we have for today that is my UFC 230 breakdown um it's gonna be great it'll be in Madison Square Garden this Saturday on pay-per-view UFC 230 it should be great now I want to jump into this really quick your turn to talk it's a quick version of it, a Halloween edition of it. And I had a couple questions that I asked our um or should I say had a couple of people asked me, and I ended up making them posts. So one of the questions that I received this week, they asked does, does um the Beast UFC, so does Derek Lewis have the scariest power in UFC history? I'm gonna say no, man. I honestly, to me, the scariest guy with the scariest power in UFC history is Anthony Rumble Johnson. I think Rumble was the scariest dude that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, the way he knocked out Nogueira, the way he knocked out, oh man, the way he just completely torched Alexander Gustafson, the way he knocked out... Um, Oh, man, what's his name? Uh, 205, his buddy's tooth went flying in the air. The way he just broke Andre Alarski's jaw at heavyweight. I'm telling you, man, I think the guy with the scariest and heaviest power in the UFC's history is Rumble Johnson, man. So thanks for that question. The next question I had is, will Stylebender or does Stylebender deserve a title shot? With a win this weekend, and I talked about that a little earlier in the in the uh, in the show, but I totally believe if Israel Adesanya goes out there and has an impressive win against Derek Lou or uh, Derek Brunson, I think he absolutely will be in line for a title shot. Y- has he done as much as some of the other guys? No, but he's starting to grow a base and there's a reason why he's opening up the pay-per-view and his last fight he headlined a fight night so the UFC is starting to bank on this kid watch out if Israel Adesanya finishes this fight in impressive fashion he will end up getting the next title shot against um, Kevin Gastelum and Robert Whittaker at in probably around March or so early next year All right. well look This is the Fight Podcast I am Serge Vicente And that's honestly about all the time I have here today Thank you guys so much for tuning in Make sure you listen to uh, Watch UFC 230 Go back, listen to my interview That I had with Rosendo Sanchez In episode 47 Of the Fight Podcast this week We will be back again this week With our prospect alert A little bit more your turn to talk And so much more on the fight podcast, this is again Serge Vicente. Um, remember to follow the fight podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast. Support the show by checking us out at www.thefightpodcast.com. Remember sage eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring man brain fart yo uh, apply promo code today um, apply promo code fight for 20 percent off your first three months thank you all so much for listening this is serge vicente you're listening to the fight podcast peace out